So unfortunately, Darius Terrell had to stop doing the podcast due to the start of the high school football season. So found some new co-hosts. And on that note, Hello, welcome to 4th and 5, your Longhorn Nation podcast. I'm your host, Ulbazer, and I'm joined alongside by, what's different this week? Jacob Dedimore and Jason Chilton this week are joining me as my new co-hosts of the 4th and 5 podcast, the old uh, Barking Carnival Unplugged and 4th and 5 joining joining powers, the rings, the rings of friendship. (laughs) What, is, what was that? Oh. What was that comic? What was that? What was that? Those uh, well, no, it's two super, yeah, super friends, and like one of them would always turn into like yeah, yeah. The, somehow they would like turn into a one would like be like a bucket, and one would turn into water. And Superman's like, oh, thanks for the help, guy. <laughs> yeah, it was the Wonder Twins. It was the Wonder yeah, Twins. Yeah, I'm I'm the bucket uh, here. Shape of so... a giraffe, form of an icicle, and you know somehow that was supposed to help Superman defeat an enemy, which made no sense. Yeah. And then you had a charging like giraffe unicorn with a deadly icicle. <laughs> there you go. It just takes some imagination. Just takes some imagination. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about Hudson Card winning the starting spot at Texas. The new quarterback of Texas. We're under the Hudson Card era. Talk about you know our thoughts on that because we have some. And then talk about the biggest questions Texas has heading into the football season on their roster. There are a few big questions that Texas needs to answer to have a good season this year. Then we'll break into the Louisiana game. Talk about really this, this really good team coming into Austin. Talk about the offense, the defense, and how Texas can take on both of those and try to find a win in Austin to start the season and start the start Steve Sarkeesian era off. Y'all, thanks for joining me on this, this new journey. It's a new era in the college football world with nil and texas joining the sec it's a new era in texas football with steve sarkeesian it's a new era with hudson card and uh it's a new era for fourth and five so i i, I feel like i should be wearing it. a new era cap <laughs> yeah, oh. <laughs> we, i should i should have been wearing the new era cap to to really bring this together and that that's really on me yeah, i don't have my that's... all gas no brakes hat yet sorry <laughs> I would I would have said any cap. Did you shower there? Uh, <laughs> welcome to hey hey Will Will. Welcome to doing a podcast with Jason. This is what doing a podcast with Jason <laughs> is like. <laughs> yes, a, a ray of light leaving from the rails will not reach this podcast. Here, <laughs> so just be, be prepared for that. No worries. I deal with I deal with Johnny Brashear and Tim Preston on a weekly basis. This should oh, be a cake. Yeah, that'll walk. do it. This should be a cakewalk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're dealing with Johnny, who I love, but if you're dealing with him, you have an idea at least. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's there's no containing Johnny when he when he wants to to not be containable. <laughs> <laughs> Can't stick him in a bucket. Nope. 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 No buckets of water there. <laughs> nice callback. All right, let's get into Hudson Card, y'all. So Hudson Card taking over the Texas starting spot 
away from Casey Thompson, who's been waiting three years from that. So, you know, no hard feelings there, probably. I don't know about that. What is Hudson? <laughs> Do we have any thoughts on Hudson Card winning this race? Because I know there are different camps. There are always two camps in Texas football. There's always the, I'm a really big fan of the starter, and like the other 55%. Are the let's let's play with the backup. Backup doesn't matter who he is. The backup is has like a fifty five percent like fan base amongst Texas fans. Approval rating. Let's use political terms. Let's do there it. Come go. on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The great the great Steve Ross, the godfather of uh, Longhorn Sports Media, will tell you that the phrase "the most popular guy in town is the backup QB" dates back many decades. Yeah, and at some point that may be true uh, for this. Uh, for this conglomeration of QBs, but for, for me, going you know going by the the practice reports in the spring, it seemed like this was a pretty clear decision because even if they were close, I mean you've got the guy who's got more raw talent who probably brings more to the table from you know a pure arm perspective and with his legs and sounded like he was taking more sacks than you want in the spring and summer. And Thompson was throwing more picks than you'd want in the spring and summer. And if you're the senior game manager QB, you really can't have the first bullet on your resume being, I'm throwing too many picks. To go along with that, I, I do think Jason's right. I think this has been trending since the spring, but that doesn't mean it wasn't a close battle. I, I do think that there were times that they went back and forth, but it really is kind of an axiom in coaching. If you have two guys who are really close, even if – you know, the older guy is maybe slightly ahead of the younger guy, you're going to go with the younger guy because the upside potential of the younger guy is always going to be higher. And you'd rather work through, you know, his learning curve, the mistakes he might make uh, as a young quarterback. You'd rather kind of work through those and have a longer period of time of having a consistent starter than to go with the older guy who, even though he's still good, you know, you're not going to have him as long and his potential ceiling is not as high because you're not going to have him around for as long as the younger guy will. And so it makes sense that he went with Hudson Card. One of the things I've been impressed with Sarkeesian about so far and his press availabilities is he seems to be a pretty open and upfront guy about what he's thinking. I mean, to an extent, there are things he's not going to tell the media ever, but as far as the things he can tell the media, I think he's pretty open and honest about it. And I believe him when he says that this was a tough decision for him. But in the end, the two guys were close. So he's going to go with the redshirt freshman over the junior just because there's more potential upside with it. Yeah, and I feel like when it comes to the last few quarterback battles for Texas, it's always been sort of this dynamic where it's you got the playmaking ability versus the arm talent or – the guy who is fresh and might leave the pocket a little bit versus the guy who is, again, more of a playmaker. You saw that with Sam and you saw and Shane Bouchelle. You saw that with Shane Bouchelle and Tyrone Swoops. Uh, now you have it with Casey Thompson and Hudson Card. And to me, playmaking is basically what you what you can describe as you take a bad situation, you make it awesome. You, you saw that with Casey Thompson in the Colorado game with the crazy throw. Who was it to? It was to the tight. I think Cade Brewer. Yeah. Arm talent is basically in a vacuum. This player can put a ball in a spot at this trajectory at this pace consistently. So you have these two quarterback dynamics going at each other. And I think the one issue that, I mean, I'm going to be watching for is that's 
playmaking ability for Hudson Card, when the pocket breaks down, what happens? Because, you know, that was Casey Thompson's forte, right? When the pocket breaks down, he's the playmaker. He knows what he's doing. Uh, when the pocket breaks down, or it even has the semblance of breaking down for Casey Thompson, or, I mean, Hudson Card, or to get him confused, I'm wondering what's going to happen there because that seems to be the biggest thing in play here. Yeah, I think any young any young quarterback dealing with pressure is something you really kind of have to prove on the on the field under live fire. You're never going to know 100% how a guy is going to react unless he was Vince Young <laughs> until until you actually see it happen. I mean, I'm I'm pretty optimistic that. You know, he, he can you know potentially make something out of nothing with his legs. And I think some of it is leaning on Steve Sarkeesian, the, key, the scheme, the offensive line to keep him out of a ton of bad situations. But, yeah, I mean, that's always the you know, that's that's always the question with a young guy is, you know, mentally, how is he going to handle pressure? And, you know, is he going to keep his eyes up? How is he going to react? And then just does he have that technique? Because, you know, even if it's not a question of, hey, is he going to take off and flush and, and try to run for it? If it's just navigating pressure and resetting yourself to throw, sometimes, you know, just that technique and that footwork and all of that can take some time, you know, take guys some time to, to get established and get coached up. So, I mean, I, from hearing some practice reports, he's, decent with that but you know maybe not where you'd ultimately like him to be so i think yeah those those are definitely things that uh you know those are some of the things i was going to say looking looking uh looking forward to the game which we'll talk about in a bit things that i'll be looking for kind of trying to look for some of those more subtle things in addition to the big obvious like wow he stood there <laughs> stood there unaware and got strip sacked or through a bad pick sometimes you know some of the little subtle things can give you a clue on where a guy's at and what a short-term trajectory looks like. But yeah, speaking about the game, this is an interesting game to throw in a your redshirt freshman who's, I guess not really redshirt, your freshman, second-year freshman, in his first start ever is, is this Louisiana team. You know, you talk about in the NFL ruining a quarterback too early by throwing him in too soon. I don't know if that's the case here, but man, what a tough game to bring in your your freshman, your new starter, a guy who's never played real snaps at this level. Yeah, I I mean, I'm going to assume from the coaches that they viewed this as a we just we need to get the guy that we think is going to be the eventual starter on the field and let's go regardless of what the matchup is the first couple of weeks. You know, Jason talked about was talking about the pressure in the pocket thing. The thing I kept hearing over and over again when it came to practice reports about Hudson was that he was a a little bit slower with his reads slightly and was at least early on in camp taking a few too many sacks because he wasn't recognizing it quickly enough. Now, hopefully that's gotten better over the course of camp, but that seemed to be kind of a strength of Casey at first. But it also kind of turned into a weakness because Casey would seem to be a little early to check down and throw to the relief valve out of plays when maybe the coaches thought there was something better down the field that he went away from too quickly because he was feeling the pressure. Uh, And our defensive line, at least early in camp, was putting a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks as the offensive line was gelling. But in this game, yeah, it's a tough – it would have been a tough thing for Casey even as a junior because it would have been his first start. Um, yeah, he played the second half of the Colorado game, but I mean, this is a defense in Louisiana 
that is returning like nine or ten of nine or ten starters on both sides of the ball. It's an experienced defense, um, and it's from everything you've seen from them on tape. It's a sound defense that doesn't make a lot of mental errors. They're not going to give you anything. You're going to have to take things from them. And so, yeah, this is going to be a game where Hudson, coming in early, is going to have to make sure he he sees what's going on and takes what's there and either doesn't hold on to the ball too long or doesn't try to force things. Right. There, there's going to be an early mistake I'm going to see from Hudson Card. I'm going to guess we're going to see from Hudson Card. We'll see how he responds to it, and that's why Casey Thompson's probably sticking around, right? Really why you keep with Hudson Card is obviously that the better arm talent he brings – which I described earlier, people always like, what is arm talent, right? What, that's just such a, a word that's out there. But again, the arm talent he has, the potential he has, if you want to be a better team next year, then you're going to want to keep your starting quarterback for two years, right? Well, while you groom Arch Manning, of course. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, like that's, that's sort of what he brings to the table over Casey Thompson right now. You know, one thing I, I, I should say, there's been a lot of talk over the last couple of days about Casey. Um, and people are saying, well, if he's starting Hudson Card, why is he saying he's going to play Casey in the game? If I'm sure not a whole lot of people watched it. Probably more did than you would think just because it was the first game on. But anybody who watched that Nebraska-Illinois game last week, as ugly as it was, especially in the first half, Illinois' starting quarterback went down in the first quarter to an injury and was out for the rest of the ball game. Mm-hmm. If there's ever, if there's any reason besides, you know, you just want to keep a guy involved and engaged and not have him leave the program, you the reason you want to get Casey Thompson some snaps in this game on Saturday is because Hudson Card, A, he is a freshman. There's a chance he's going to make some mistakes. There's a chance that, you know, at some point you might have to make a move, but he could also get hurt. And having a guy like a Casey Thompson who's been in the program for three years now is a luxury that a lot of teams don't have. Look what's happening in South Carolina this week. I don't know if y'all saw that story today. South Carolina is starting a graduate assistant who had eligibility left at quarterback on Saturday. That's amazing. Yeah. That's probably the wow. best thing I've heard. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Shades of shades of Sinbad in this Sir Epic. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I haven't read a whole lot of detail about it, but that was something that was making the rounds on Twitter today is because of certain injury situations, you know. Uh, That's like in NHL when they bring in, like, the, the equipment guy. or They that bring one, in the emergency one, like, goalie. lawyer or accountant, and he, he yeah. comes in and, like, like has a the, shutout. Yeah, the emergency goalie. goalie that the yeah. NHL has at each arena just in case a team has two guys go down in a game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's 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 not it's not a bad comparison. Um, South Carolina has been taken over by Beamer Jr., who left Virginia Tech to go there, and he just doesn't have any depth at quarterback right now. Taking over that program outside of like freshmen and walk-ons, and so they had a grad assistant who has eligibility left, who has played quarterback, and they're going to start him on Saturday because the other guys hurt. It's insane. That's but an amazing story. That. That tells you why it, it's a smart thing. I, I saw some people on on the boards, you know, when when there, you know, you you mentioned that no hard feelings there about Casey. There there might have been some hard feelings about that decision. Oh, I, I am very aware that there are hard feelings. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, the, feeli- the feelings I, are hard. Yeah, and 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 it's understandable why he would be upset about this decision. 
But it's also a very understandable and smart decision for Steve Sarkeesian to re-engage him and try and, and get him back into the program, into the program and into a state of mind. It's like, look, we're going to need you at some point this season, most likely. We want you here. I understand you're not happy that you lost this, that you didn't win the starting job. It's completely understandable, but that doesn't mean you're any less a part of the team. That doesn't mean you're any less important to us because we're probably going to need you at some point this year. Yeah, a little a little bit behind the scenes stuff. I heard Steve Sarkeesian snuck into Casey's room and has the I the Illinois Nebraska game on repeat on his TV. He can't turn it off. I, please don't use the phrase Steve Sarkeesian stuck into somebody snuck into somebody's room. I just we just don't. Yeah, I'm immediately. <laughs> 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 I, uh, I yeah i immediately wanted to call hr <laughs> <laughs> it's all above board i know it's jokes man come on let's have a little fun here <laughs> come on guys we gotta get used to each other it's the first show <laughs> <laughs> jump into the deep end buckle up kid it's gonna be a bumpy ride <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm just glad it wouldn't include bryant sneaking anybody's room <laughs> oh yeah that would have been much worse <laughs> all right talking about questionable things let's get into the biggest questions <laughs> Headed into the season, uh, y'all. Our segue game's already strong. Yeah, no, I am known for my transitions. Not really. Texas has a lot of questions coming uh, into. A joke there, I'm just going to leave alone. No, don't. Um, oh no. No, please do. Texas has a lot of questions heading into the season. Hands can can probably talk about a million things that we don't know about right now about this Texas team. What are the biggest questions that need to be answered for this team to succeed this year? Well, I, I would say, um, since we've already talked some about Hudson and the fact that, you know, for, you know, freshman QBs are like a box of chocolates. <laughs> Just connected to that is the wide receiver core. I mean, that is, as far as the position groups, that one is the biggest question mark to me. And especially when you've got a new head coach, you know, who is, bring his calling card as an offensive mastermind, particularly with the passing game and particularly with a passing game that involves a whole lot of route adjustments for the QBs and the receivers need to be on the same page. You know, a, a receiver room that is green, that has been frequently injured. And, uh, and I, I don't have uh, Josh Moore's career yardage totals in front of me, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's less than a thousand and uh, he's far and away the leader, I think. So it, it really starts right there for me is which of these receivers, A, can be available any given week, you know, who can step up, who can get on the same page, and, you know, who can keep the opposing defense from playing eight in the box for the entire season and, and limiting what Bijan could do. I think it goes beyond that. I think it's who beside Josh Moore can step up and be consistent. Like, you need probably two guys – uh, to at least have a successful passing attack most of the time, unless you want somebody double covered every time and what we had last year. Well, I, I think some of those questions, you know, Jason talked about who can stay healthy in my opinion, in my thinking about the wide receiver core, that's going to be the biggest question is who is actually on the field and healthy enough to play. I think we saw last season, Jordan Whittington, when he's on the field is very capable of being that, other guy that can you know take short take short passes and turn them into long gains he can do all kinds of things on the field he's very much a swiss army knife type of player if he's out there 
And that's been the biggest thing with him. Every, all reports are good that he was, he's been back at practice and he's going to be available on Saturday. If he's Troy out there, O'Meary. I think, he, uh, mm, yeah. Sorry. Well, Troy O'Meary, I mean, he's not going to play this week. We know that. Uh, he's still recovering from his ACL tear. Um, he had a setback with a, some kind of a muscle or a, a knee issue from the second scrimmage. So, you know, you hope you see him back out there before the start of conference play, but we'll see. Um, there's been a lot of glowing reports on Xavier Worthy, the freshman that decommitted from Michigan and came in here kind of last minute as far as uh, you know the recruiting class goes. He's come in and apparently made a bunch of plays. But McCoyd. Right. <laughs> but if these guys, uh, you know, Worthy, if Whittington, if Whittington can, can stay healthy, um, if all these other guys, uh, you know, Troy O'Meary gets back out on the field here in the next, you know, couple of weeks, um, guys like Xavier Worthy, who is start, you know, he's listed as one of the starters this week. You know, I actually kind of, kind of like the talent of the two deep as far as the wide receivers go. If these guys are all out there, but they got to get out there. Uh, Marcus Washington has all the talent in the world, but the question is, is can he get out of his own head when it comes to catching the ball? Um, and that's been, you know, the reports have been better about that over the last week, but I still got to see it first. Yeah, Marcus Washington, you always hear about the guy that you're waiting to for the light to come on. We're waiting for Marcus Washington to discover fire. <laughs> like electricity is down the down the track a little bit. If he can rub two sticks together and make a spark, I they feel like um, we should start to get pretty excited. It feels like that Devin Duvernay where it didn't quite click until junior year, right? Yeah. And then it, it didn't even click until junior year fall fall camp. Like, fall camp is when he kind of turned it on his junior year and then immediately left for the NFL. No. Was I had one after, more year after that, yeah. A year after that, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not so much a question of talent in this case. It's a question of health and experience, okay? We just don't have guys out there that have taken a lot of snaps uh, at the wide receiver position. And of the guys that have, you have a lot of health questions surrounding them. So it, it, it really is... And then you, on top of that, you add in the chemistry between quarterback and wide receiver, which is something that's just been kind of developing over time, and it's probably still going to take time. This is a better way to put it, I think. The only thing that's not a question on offense coming into the season is Bijan Robinson. That's it. There are Everything, Johnson, yeah. every well, I, but the running back position is is my point. Every other position group is a question mark because of either lack of experience. Or, you know, lack of lack of health and production. You know, you're talking about breaking in on the offensive line. It's it's almost an entirely new offensive line this year too, and we haven't even gotten to, gotten to that yet. You know, that's going to be a gelling process as well. So there's just a lot of question marks on offense that are things that are just going to have to work themselves out through the season as the season goes along. All right, that's our first awkward pause. <laughs> and scene. I was trying, I was trying <laughs> to throw it to you, Jason, but it, it's cool. Yeah, no, I guess... right, well, we can, we can, we can. If we if we do a, some little editing magic, I can I can pick that back up. <laughs> no, let's let's yeah, keep I... the awkward pause just yeah. just for memory's sake. Just hey, it's our first awkward pause. Oh. Seven seconds of people looking at each other. Yeah, it's, yeah. Sorry, we're using visual cues, and I was like looking up something on a on a site to make my point. I'm like, oh, somebody's probably looking at me. Stop, and they were. Stop watching, stop watching <laughs> porn while we're doing a podcast. Yeah, it's really, uh, really inconsiderate. Uh, 
Only only fans just got rid of their porn band. Come on now. <laughs> it's been a tough week and a half. <laughs> um, but yeah, on yeah on the receivers, and I think we can get more into it again when we talk specifically opponent. But this particular opponent poses some particular questions for the guys who've been named as starters based on their experience and style of play and kind of each one of these guys i feel like if you're looking at a, you know kind of a named starting group of jordan whittington at the x receiver um worthy as probably the slot oh, i think he'll kind of interchange and, and josh moore kind of outside wide i think all of these guys have some some questions about how they'll adapt you know particularly to physical coverage press coverage you know when they're younger guys guys who've been hurt you know sometimes it's not just about your your raw physical ability but there's a lot of technique things that let you get free get loose you know run nuanced routes that will you know get you open or not against a guy who you may be athletically superior to and you know this first game (laughs) for a lot of reasons i think you'd rather be playing rice first and empty the bench and let everybody be feeling good about themselves but this will be a really interesting early test to see how some of those guys can respond and then, you know, obviously, if, if Kai Money can uh, continue to be money in the middle of the field. Yeah, I, I had got this opportunity to speak with Josh Moore uh, this past week. And I'm, the, the way he talks about the offense and the complexity of the routes that they now have, it's, it's interesting. He calls it NFL-style uh, you know, route combinations. So we'll see. We'll see how this new wide receiver core deals with the added freedom and responsibility that they now have under the Steve Sarkeesian offense going yeah, down a little a bit very, though. Very Peter Park, very Peter Parker dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Going down a little bit though. The offensive line is like another question I have just because of who's the quarterback Hudson card being the quarterback means that this offensive line needs to gel and solidify very quickly to give Hudson card some time to breathe so that he can get his head right. Uh, especially against Louisiana early on. I, I think you have a lot of really, really good pieces here. I, I'm excited about what the offensive line can be. It's can they be that soon enough is my question. Yeah, and I, I think some of the offensive line's job is going to, you know, obviously it's tough on third and eight. Probably the offensive line's biggest help they can give Hudson Card is keep us the hell out of third and eight. <laughs> let's win first down. Let's win second down. Let's establish Bijan. Let's you know have the technique to allow us to do things like you know run clean outside zone, be able to run you know play action and RPOs where you're faking a run block and then setting up for pass protection so that you're keeping the defense guessing. You're keeping the defensive line from pinning their ears back. You know as you said, there's a lot of talent. Yeah, individual talent on this offensive line and going back and looking at some film from last year when the offense definitely had its ups and downs you saw some you know some really good moments from a lot of these guys and especially in the last couple of games when they finally said you know what let's just run outside zone with Bijan and started tearing people up I mean you saw you saw a lot of great you know movement skills a lot of great blocks from these guys so it feels like you know the pieces are there to make the run game, and and you know to my mind, hopefully the outside zone run game really foundational piece. But you know that's also a scheme that really requires the guys to to gel and work together and understand how to handle combo blocks and things like that. So that's another big thing I think to work for, just kind of how this unit operates as a unit coming out of the gate. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think a very big key to a success of this offensive line, I, I thought it was huge uh, that they were able to convince Derek Kerstetter to come back for one final season. Um, if nothing else, you know, just even, even if it's just, hey, look, because of your injury, we can maybe improve your draft status. He now has um, two left feet, so. Uh, well, hey, you know, so, hey, don't don't talk about that man like he hasn't suffered enough. Let's let's be nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but bringing a guy like him back and that experience and putting him out at right tackle where, you know, I, I think he was just as good, if not better at right tackle than he was at center. Um that helps solidify at least some of the outside. Christian Jones is a very good talent, um, but he's still the new guy over there at left tackle. Junior Angelau is switching sides over to right guard this year. Um, you've, you, you've got a new center now with Jake Majors. Uh, Denzel Okafor is, is an interesting cat because he's been around here for a while now, but he's never really been good enough to hold down a starting position on the offensive line. And he's being told, look, man, because of your experience and the complete lack of it from anybody else at guard, we're giving you the shot at left guard to see if you can finally do something. Seventh um, year's the charm, man. God, it just, <laughs> you know, he's he's one of those guys you can see the physical ability that he has. He's just never been able to put it together consistently enough to hold down the starting spot. I think he's a much better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. At least that's been his history. and. That, in this particular case, may be advantageous to Texas and might be why he got the job is because they know that Bijan is the bell cow in this offense and they want to get him going. So that may might be why he's out there. So, you know, it, it's kind of a mixed bag on the offensive line. It's just a question of how quickly, like you said, are they going to gel? They have an experienced guy who started some and then two experienced starters. So it, it's kind of a mixed bag. I would not be surprised at all to see them leaning on that right side of the offensive line early, especially in this run game, kind of going to the right and leaning on guys who have done it before uh, to try and get some things going from that perspective. My eyes when watching the offense at the start, I, I always go with the old uh, uh, John Madden adage of like, watch the center and the two guards at the start of the play, then figure out what else is going on. But you'll kind of immediately see, is it a run or a pass? Kind of get an idea of like, are they moving the defensive line or not? But like watching that left, a gap between Jake Majors and Denzel Okafor is going to be interesting because I mean Okafor is one of the guys when I look back at the tape from you know the latter part of last year had more good reps than I would have guessed from you know, his history. He he moved you know, his feet looked good especially in the run game as a guard. I mean I'd always assumed he was going to be a guard at Texas from his you know his high school recruiting tape. You know, and he, he looked good, but, you know, he's got questions in pass protection. I and mean, when you go from fresh, you know, he's a redshirt freshman and he, you know, he's got some experience, a little bit of experience, but freshman, freshman center to freshman quarterback, your other big question is going to be protection calls. And are we going to see a lot of the, the, the cluster <laughs> that we've seen in some past Texas O-lines of guys just running free on blitzes and on stunts. So, you know, seeing how they, you know, move and work together and also, you know, are they coordinated and picking up some tricky things from the defense could be, you know, kind of the, the linchpin on whether this O-line can really be a successful unit or whether it's going to present some stumbling blocks. The last question I have for this team, and let's get through this, let's get through this one like super quick, the safety position, because I think the rest of the defense is pretty good, except, I mean, maybe there's some questions around the linebacker room, but the safety room is sort of, 
it's a question for me because really who you kind of fell to Brendan Schooler and BJ Foster because who else? I mean, Jaron Thompson, right? But is Brendan Schooler actually good or did he win it because no one else could show up? And will BJ Foster finally be able to step up in year four, even though it's highly unlikely he will? <laughs> yeah, I I guess I'm a little optimistic about that just because I think there are some guys, you know, like you mentioned, Jaron Thompson and Chris Adamora. I mean, I think they, they could at least give you serviceable, serviceable play at safety, he said. And and I think that, you know, the coaches even feel good about Anthony Cook rotating back there. And mm-hmm. the fact that those guys have kind of claimed and pretty much held starting spots through the spring and summer makes you think that at least they've set a decent floor through their play. I, I absolutely have questions about about both guys, and I, I, I honestly don't even know kind of the, between the free safety and strong safety designations. You know, traditionally in my mind, strong safety is the guy playing close to the line of scrimmage. Some people call the strong safety the guy who's out to the strength of the passing formation, which is usually more out to the field. So I don't even know which is which. You'd think B.J. Foster on his resume would be the guy you want thumping up close to the line of scrimmage. But, yeah, I think questions about you know, their range and their awareness are another really interesting thing to look at. This may not be the most challenging passing game we'll face all year coming up on Saturday, but just kind of seeing how those guys are positioned, if they're able to help, if they give them single coverage responsibilities, I think will be pretty interesting to see because I don't know if either of them has – you know, totally proven that they've got all those clubs in their bag at this point. I think that uh, the reason I'm not that worried about it is because everything I kept hearing about the defense, but especially the safety position, is Brendan Schooler wasn't given this job because of lack of options. He took it. He went out there and took the job and and earned it. That's everything I've been reading. I mean, there. I mean, it's been very glowing reports from the sources within the program that have been leaked out to the people that we all talk to. I mean, I don't uh, know. That, I think that's... Blake Gideon might be a little uh, biased here. <laughs> well, but uh, yeah, but uh, you know, Pete, Pete Kavikowski is, is the guy who's going to make the decision here, but you know, but I'm, I'm just saying everything that I've read, heard said that Schooler was a guy that came in and just took ownership of that job and just snatched it. Now there is an or with Jaron Thompson, um, but I mean, when I hear things like they would be comfortable in certain packages and situations, putting Thompson at a safety position and just rolling Schooler up to play the slot corner as a nickelback, you know, they, they've, that's been thing that's been mentioned multiple times. That's how comfortable they feel with him as a player. But Jason also mentioned it. Anthony Cook has played well. They have said that they would feel comfortable rolling him back to safety if need be. I truly believe, and, and Jason also mentioned Chris Adamora, it seems like from everything we've heard and and have been told about from this defense, when it comes to that safety position, they truly feel like they've got four guys who could start at any given time if they needed them to, and they're not worried about a drop-off of play. Again, it's hard to find questions with this defense. Maybe, maybe again, the linebacker room, Luke well, Brockermeyer starting, but... I'll give you one. If you are if you want a concern about the defense, and I'm bullish on it, I am, from all the reports I've been reading, um, and that uh, Kwiatkowski is... Is that how you say his name? I keep... It, Kwiatkowski. It, it's a, Kwiatkowski. Thank you. All the reports... No, there's, I, no, there's no quit in that, man. Yeah. <laughs> if there's one thing that may be kind of a question mark is pass rush. Mm. especially from the out from the edge pass rush from the edge and who is going who's going to be that guy 
or who are going to be the one or two guys to, as a kind of a tandem to develop that because that is kind of the one thing I think that it, that people are concerned about where it's going to come from because at least coming into the season they don't have a guy that's really performed performed it and done it and and uh, put up numbers doing it. Yeah, that's a good yeah, point. I would, I would, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. That was you know, in, in looking through the, you know, kind of my initial look through the you know some of the early depth charts, it's like yep, there's Coburn. Oh, can't wait to see what a Jumbo's going to do. Oh, it'd be great to see you know Puna Ford starter kit overshone, overshone. You know, watching watching the mark overshone hit on all cylinders at linebacker, and then looking out at the the edges, it was kind of Jamon Hunsu and Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so you got, yeah, you got, you got some, you got some, you got some. Jason, some you just, you just you got... kill it with with these references. Like, wow. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it, it's all I really bring to the table. But, uh, you know, all you've got is a hammer. Everything looks like a nail. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's the big question. And you know, you you probably don't. You almost certainly don't have a Joseph Osai caliber edge turner guy out there but as strong as you are probably going to be at defensive tackle and then having kind of an x factor and alfred collins who sounds like he's going to be playing some at kind of that bigger end position and then probably kicking inside some you probably got some pretty good you know a gap and b gap pressure coming up so you've just got guys who can get some effort hustle cleanup sacks and keep some of the more mobile qbs in the pocket or chase them down you may be able to have a really good defense without having that, you know, Joseph Osai, Alex Okafor caliber player, but you would definitely like to see somebody step up and provide some of that. And one of these guys might do it. I just couldn't tell you who it would be at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think a lot of the pressure we're going to see early may come from the interior. I mean, Moro Ojima, when I saw him in high school, his senior year when he was 16 years old, I looked at him and I went, oh my God, it's Puna Ford in a high school jersey. Because that's, I mean, that's exactly who he reminded me of. And even a little bit last year, you could just see it. You know, he's a kid that's just got incredible reach. He knows how to use that reach to get guys off of him. And he's got great off the ball quickness to get into a gap. And you combine him with the other guys. I, you know, I, I think Jason's correct. I think the reason that they've listed Alfred Collins at one of the end positions on the depth chart is because I think at least early on they plan on using him some there just to have him on the field along with guys, Ojimo and, oh, God, who am Coburn. I thinking of? Coburn, Coburn, thank you. Yeah. And, Co- Keith, and Keith Sweat. And Keith Sweat, exactly. Um, I think the defensive coaches want to have all three of those guys on the field at the same time if they can because of the talent that they provide rushing the passer. I totally screwed us on time by, by bringing this up. But let's go ahead and, and take a look at the Louisiana <laughs> team here talking about this defense let's look at their offense uh this louisiana offense i mean just just kind of the theme of louisiana is they're bringing back everybody like they're everybody Almost. the 2020 team averaged 423 yards 34 points a game and they underperformed in regards to that and they're bringing back everybody this team is loaded with returning talent and really just talent. Uh, Jason, what what are we going to be seeing in terms of X's and O's from this Louisiana team? Well, start, starting out with the quarterback, uh, it's a guy named Levi Lewis. He's been kind of described as, a, you know, a Russell Wilson type without, you know, probably anything close to that kind of arm. 
But, yeah, he's a smart dude, can scramble, can escape pressure. He's not going to go Michael Vick and take it 70 yards on you. But he can be that pain-in-the-ass dude that escapes pressure and completes it on third down. He's accurate, doesn't really turn the ball over. And, you know, he's, he's really well-suited for their overall style of play. I mean, they, they won a bunch of close games last year. But when you've got a defense that's really veteran and playing that well, and, you know, last year they were able to lean on a pretty strong for their conference run game. You know, this year I think they've got some questions about you know them being able to place the caliber backs that they lost. That's about all they lost from the team. But, yeah, he, it really kind of starts with him, and he's probably a tough guy to turn over unless you're getting a lot of pressure on him, and that veteran O-line really doesn't – I mean, they were near, near tops in the league, like tops being good in terms of sacks allowed, tackles for loss allowed. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's enjoyed some really good protection, and he's been productive – when he's had it and when somebody does get through, he's been pretty good about evading pressure. So I think, you know, it's one of those classic game plans where you first of all want to contain him. Don't let him scramble and make a good play when you've had five seconds of good coverage. And then he gets away with it. He's not the kind of guy that's going to just like fire frozen ropes, but he can throw it over your head if you, if you screw up. So I think, you know, a, a game plan that, that, contains him you know a shorter guy you always like to have those you know the big bathroom wreckers uh, coming through the a gaps and get in his face and then maybe telling uh Overshown to go fetch him if he gets out of the pocket but you know i think you you've got a very experienced veteran qb who's not going to make a lot of mistakes on his own but i think that's probably a lot of what uh kwiatkowski's been kwiatkowski whatever his name is has <laughs> been thinking about is coach how k. can we how can coach k coach k has been thinking about how how can we uh, you know get this guy get this guy to make mistakes and you know prevent him from from beating us with his legs or at least extending drives with his legs and making it a tighter game than we want it to be. Yeah, I think to kind of add to your point here, in terms of how careful he was with the ball last season, he did go nineteen and seven with touchdown to interception ratio, but over the past three seasons, basically over his career, he's fifty two and thirteen. Which is pretty good, I'd say. That's very good. Yeah, yeah it's very good. And again, we're talking about returning everybody. The offensive line returns all five starters. They're all great run blockers. To top it off, there were this number seven team in the country in terms of sacks allowed per game. I'm going to go per game because everybody had different games, but they allowed less than one sack per game. Texas was somewhere around like three and four. Uh, and they're led by Max Mitchell at their tackle, who is 6'5", 300 pounds. Uh, Texas probably has a talent edge. They probably have a size edge. But this offensive line is kind of like those Kansas State offensive lines that are kind of salty and don't make mistakes like you were talking about. You know, you mentioned them bringing everything back. But the one thing that they're not bringing back on offense, and this is a key thing, is they're not bringing back their top two leading rushers from last season. Mm-hmm. Um, Elijah Mitchell and Trey, I think it was Ra, uh, Regus, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Sure. Those, but those two guys combined. We're not going to work here anymore. Yeah. Those two guys combined rushed for almost 1,700 yards and averaged uh, about almost six yards a carry and had 18 touchdowns between the two of them. You know, Louisiana, they like to run the ball. They are a run-first offense. I mean, they're, they are bringing back all their receivers, but their leading receiver had 360 yards last year, 364. 
they don't throw the ball a lot. That's not what they do. They want to grind the ball out. They want to own time of possession. They want to keep your offense on the sideline and just wear you down on offense. If you go back and look at their games from last year and kind of how they, it, it, kind of how they played out, this is not an explosive, high-scoring offense that Louisiana brings in. It wasn't last year. But what they what they did well was they moved the chains, and they did it with those two running backs. Their, their leading rusher coming into this game is a kid named Chris Smith, who averaged a whopping six carries a game last year. He's never been a bell cow. It's going to be very interesting to see how they use uh, kind of a running back by committee. Billy Napier... He, he's always been kind of a running back committee guy, their head coach. He doesn't have much experience to do that with this year. And not that Louisiana never plays games in hot weather, but this is going to be 100,000 people on Saturday in about 97-degree heat when that game kicks off on Saturday. You know, It's going to be interesting to see who wins that battle up front because I, I do think that th- where this game is going to be won or lost is going to be which defense controls the line of scrimmage more. Um you know, it's strength on strength with Louisiana. And when Louisiana has the ball, you mentioned it, all five star- starters returning on offense and a very talented defensive front for Texas. On the other side of the ball, Louisiana has kind of the advantage uh, when, when Texas has the ball. If the Texas offensive line can kind of get off early in this game and kind of control the line of scrimmage, let Bijan work, I like Texas's chances, but I mean, it, it, it's going to be an interesting battle of wills because I don't expect this to be a high scoring game at all. No, bet the under, but I do to speak about those running backs. I do kind of like the difference between probably their first and second string. You got the five, nine, 194 pound Wiley, Chris Smith backed up by the six, two, 230 pound Jacob Cabote, the A&M transfer. So it's it's there there's a there's a bit of a jump there there's a little bit of lightning and thunder there but uh one one hits the one hits the restroom and one hits the gym. Um, <laughs> Wait, which one? Oh, I guess the big guy hits the restroom. Yeah, probably. Uh, I'm thinking okay. of the bathroom Why? records. The bathroom records f reference. So I was trying to tie that back in. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Didn't do a good job of it. Right. Well, I was I wasn't sure if like the big guy was yeah the big guy was big. And you know what? I'll, I'll, let it, was... I'll let it be up to your imagination yeah. here. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. But but yeah, one one more yeah to, to add on what Jacob was saying about the running backs that left. If I'm correct in scanning the, the the waiver wire news today, like I'm pretty sure both of those guys have made NFL 53 man rosters as undrafted or. One was an undrafted free agent. Elijah Mitchell went in the sixth round of the 49ers. And uh, I think they're both sticking on 53-man rosters yeah. initially. I mean, that those two guys carried that offense last year. Yeah, yeah. With with no disrespect to what Billy Napier has put together and the you know the caliber of guys we'll be seeing on Saturday, you know, that that's not the talent level that that kind of program is just going to reload and probably have similar guys stepping in. Mm-hmm. So if creases and cracks do develop, you know, probably the guys they have there this time out are not going to hurt you and turn, you know, five yards into 15 or 20 or 40, the way that, you know, those guys, particularly Elijah Mitchell was, was uh, apt to do. So I think that's, that's one more positive on the Texas front is you can, you know, you can be a little less concerned about, you know, back sitting home runs on you and you're not really worried about, you know, Matt Stafford type rifle shots down the field. So we may see uh, coach K able to kind of compress things and really make it a really make it a knife fight for them where Texas's superior athletes can win out. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that kind of 
gives me pause in here and when it comes to oh yeah I think Texas should handle this pretty well is you know it's the consistency that they've had over the past few years and this offensive line again it reminds me of those Kansas State offensive lines they're just they don't make mistakes you know you know you have the wide receivers who aren't like game changers but they're consistent you have the quarterback who isn't a game changer but he's consistent or at least most of the time like last year he you know Sometimes he was inconsistent. Like he went eight for 23 and passes against Appalachian State, but he did enough on the ground to give them the win. They're, you know, they're guys who can make the plays when they need to be. They're, they're consistent when they need to be. You know, they don't make a lot of mistakes. Even the wide receiver core here, again, a bunch of tall guys here, a lot of, with a lot of experience. That's what gives me pause about this. So, with that said, your Pete Kwiatkowski. And Jason, you were talking about this. How do you attack this offense? What is your game plan here? Having having watched the film that you have on Louisiana, I mean, I, I would it, it would be my preference, you know, especially facing you know a, a veteran QB who doesn't make a lot of mistakes. I would very much like to see if I can get home with four, or really even potentially try to you know get home with three, contain them, and and let my athletes you know make plays on the ball and make tackles. You know, I don't know how much he really wants to. To, to blitz in this game. I don't know how much he really wants to blitz overall. I mean, if, if we are getting good pressure against a veteran line with a four-man rush, that's great for this game, and that's that's great for really the, the whole season. So I, I, I'd, I'd be surprised if he dials up a ton of pressure unless, you know, we really think it's needed. You know, probably selectively blitz some to keep him guessing, but I would think he'll be trying to, trying to get home with four and, you know, I think they would tell you they they feel very good about really all three of their their corners you know going across from Deshaun Jameson to uh, Josh Thompson to Anthony Cook and you know you may be willing to let them play man up on those guys you know none of whom is is a world beater you know take your chances in man coverage there and then use your safeties to try and you know create turnovers and you know be that be that extra man in the run game so that that's the game plan, I would think, but I think it's going to be an interesting kind of chess match for both defensive coordinators when, you know, you want to, you always want to have pressure. Yeah, I, I think there's questions on both sides on, you know, how much pressure you'll be able to get against the opposing O-line. So who's going to be blitzing more and who's going to be kind of trying to throw more exotic looks at the, at the QB? I think that's going to be probably a, a fun chess match to watch. You know, it when I look at the matchup from that perspective – you know, it's, I, I try to think about, you know, how would I, how do I think they're going to attack each other? I really do think when you look at Louisiana, they're going to re- try and rely on their experience, their chemistry, uh, guys who have been in this situation before. I don't know how much they're going to try and uh, do tricky things because I think they're going to come into this game thinking they don't have to do a whole lot of tricked up stuff to try and attack Texas, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because there is so much inexperience on Texas's offensive side of the ball. You know, I would not be surprised at all if Louisiana, you know, really tried to send as many things as they could at Hudson Card to force mistakes. You know, Jason talked about earlier, you know, you want to try and do things to get guys not to play eight in the box. Bijan Robinson is a known quantity to everybody in the country. Their number one goal is going to be to try to completely shut him down and make card and the wide receivers beat him on the other side of the ball. You know, I don't see Louisiana getting out of what made them successful over the last couple of years, unless they have to, 
I think they're going to really try and rely on that offensive line, that experienced offensive line. Yes, they've got new running backs taking it over, but they have the experienced quarterback. Uh, you know, I think they'll try to make the defensive ends and the linebackers make decisions. I wouldn't be surprised to see quite a bit of zone read and RPO action just to try to put guys in decision mode instead of, instead of attack mode. Uh, and see if they can just open things up offensively that way. It's going to be a question of, as Jason said, can this very talented defensive front for Texas get after that offensive line and wreak some havoc in the backfield and make Louisiana change how how they're going to do things? I think it's going to be a, a tall task here for Ray Thornton, and I think the star, probably Anthony Cook, whoever's on the other side of Ray Thornton, to really kind of contain this team because you have Chris Smith, who is that, you know, that the kind of electric running back and you have the the quarterback who can escape the pocket, the guy who can make some things happen with his feet, not the best with his feet, but he can do it. Uh, you know, we, we've seen guys who can use their feet hurt Texas way too many times in the past, but I think you can kind of muddy it up in the middle here. I, I think that's probably Texas specialty containing this this team, containing what's in the backfield here, whether that's coming out in a screen or a wheel or escaping out of the backfield on maybe an outside zone. I mean, the first play they ran from their spring game was an outside zone. Uh, making sure that that doesn't happen to you is probably priority number one here. Making sure that you keep everything in front of you. Yeah, I, I I think keeping it in keeping it in front of everybody and not you know not letting things break down is a key. One name to remember on the Louisiana side of the ball when Texas is on offense is Zion Hill. Sarkeesian talked about him in his presser on Monday and said, I mean, he last year he was second on the team in tackles for loss. He was second on the team in sacks and not by much. Uh, you know, uh, Farad Gardner was was the one starter on on defense that they lost. That was uh, big time. He led the team in tackles for loss and sacks. No, Farad Gardner's back. Is really? I don't. I did not see him on. Where is two two two? Oh, my bad. Sure. My bad. Yeah, you're right. I thought he was the one guy that was gone. My bad. So check that. Farad, They're turning their their top two sacks sackers. Yeah. Sackers? Well, sackers. They, they they play they play a three four base defense. Uh, Gardner's at the inside linebacker, but you know uh, Sarkeesian took took a second to actually mention Hill number four. Mm-hmm. He's one of the defensive ends in that three man front, and is a guy who just wreaks havoc and get in the, and can get in the backfield. He was a guy that it, you know I'm, out of all the games, G, if anybody watched a G five game last year. It was one of the games was Louisiana and Coastal Carolina when they when those two matched up because it was in, for all intents and purposes maybe a shot at getting at maybe you know getting into at least a, a New Year's Six bowl. So, uh, Hill really was wreaking havoc on Coastal Carolina in that ball game. He was getting into their backfield, I mean, almost at will. And if there's a guy I'm worried about on the defensive front, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the one. If they line him up over Christian Jones and try to attack, try and attack the new starter with him. Yeah, when it comes to this defense too, on just on top of it all, it, when I look at the FEI ratings, which is like the the only the best free advanced ratings I can find, this defense last year was ranked the twenty third most efficient defense in the country last season, and 
the theme of, of Louisiana this year is they return everybody. So not only were the most efficient team in the country, they were one of the most efficient in the passing game. I mean, they only allowed 170 yards passing yards per game with 16 picks to 10 passing touchdowns ratio. So I mean, that seems pretty good. And overall, they just allowed 35 yards per game, 22 points per game. And I know that's Kukowski's goal this year. So it was Chauncey Manic I was thinking of that's gone. He's uh, the one that graduated. Okay. He's the one starter that's gone. He was uh, second on the team or third on the team in tackles for loss last year. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's my fault. But yeah, no, no worries. But one guy you missed on the defensive line is is Talon Humphrey, the six four, three hundred and fifty pound. I mean, I don't know how you missed him. Three hundred fifty pound nose tackle, <laughs> uh, the red shirt senior. So, I mean, that guy is probably the guy who's going to be the bell cow of that defensive line. Yes, I mean, but Zion Hill, again, you're right. As an interior pass rusher, that guy's insane. And then if you look at the, the front seven, if we're looking at the front seven here, you have the, the both linebackers who were returning the top two tacklers in Lorenzo McCaskill and Farad Gardner. Farad Gardner, again, led the team in sacks last year. So that defensive line is going to be probably – trying to confuse Texas offensive line with getting used to that new scheme with a lot of stunts and blitzes using these veteran linebackers. Yeah, you're going to see I think you're going to see a pretty heavy dose of where are they where are they coming from zone blitzes. With that type of a 3-4 style front, they have a lot of confidence in their secondary because they are experienced. They're guys that don't make a lot of mistakes. They don't make a lot of they don't have a lot of coverage busts. They're very good at communicating back there, and they have confidence in them. And so I think you're going to see them try to confuse Hudson Card. And as J- Jason mentioned earlier with Jake Majors, uh, they're going to try and confuse the new center as well, making the protection calls with a lot of, okay, where are they coming from You know, with these zone blitz schemes? I think you're going to see a lot of that on Saturday. Yeah. And and the, the thing that could aid and abet all them, and really I think the, the biggest strength of their defense is the secondary. They're, again, bringing four veteran guys back. And when I was talking earlier about, you know, specific challenges for the guys that, that were rolling out there as starters in the first game, I think the extent to which they play a good variety of press man coverage is going to be really interesting to see, you know, how quickly and effectively – our guys can get off the line. You've got, you know, Jordan Whittington is an ex who's a phenomenal athlete, you know, has been a, you know, slash running back receiver guy, you know, does he have the the technique and the, you know, the nuance to, to beat coverage, especially from a guy who goes in six foot or six, one, uh, 210 pounds, you know, very physical corner that they play out there in the boundary who is uh, sorry, let me find it. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Yeah. Ty Gardner. Um, so I would be very interested to see, cause, you know, over on the boundary, you don't have that much room. If you've got a good press corner, he can really, you know, disrupt your ability to get anything done out there. You've got, you know, Josh Moore, who is experienced, who's been, you know, fairly productive, but a slightly built dude. He'll probably be going up against uh, Eric Guerra, who's only 5'9", 175, but is one of those feisty little, you know, Aaron Glenn types. Reminds me and, of a, a Meek Robert. Robertson from Louisiana Tech. Am I remembering that right? I yeah, I know who you're talking about. I think I think that's right. But you you know you've got a guy who you know on the one hand has got a lot of you know a lot of physical ability has been productive. I think you know hopefully this off season, unlike off seasons past for Josh Moore, hasn't been a fifty fifty split between uh, NRA and NWA. <laughs> so uh, you know hopefully he's he's dialed in and and ready to go. 
And then you've got, you know, Xavier Worthy, who's a speed merchant. He, he, he sells speed, not not in the way, not in like a, uh, oh, damn it. <laughs> Couldn't stick the landing. Lay-tow? What was our... <laughs> Is that who you're trying to hit it right there? No, no, I, that that probably actually was speed. I was, I was, it was actually weed with him. Our our super speed back from the uh, 05. Sure, if I'd watched 05, I'd have seen oh. him. The guy who had the backpack of weed and oh god, uh, D, Roma, no, Ramon DJ Taylor. Monroe? No, Ramon, Ramon Taylor. Taylor yeah. Yes, God, I, yeah. I, I, I delete all that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, another guy, yeah, a, a true freshman, another more slightly built guy. So. You know, they they may want to walk out there and start out and say, hey, can we just bully these guys? Can we screw up their releases? Can we, you know, jack up their, you know, the first three steps of their route and have, you know, have a freshman quarterback dropping back and start to panic because, you know, his first read, like, oh, that guy's stuck. That guy's stuck. Where am I going to go with this ball? So, I mean, that, that would be my game plan on that side. You know, see if you can hold up doing what you do, playing your variety of press man coverage, you know, mixing in some some blitzes and stunts, and just you know, see if this talented but you know still has to prove it from production standpoint receiving core can go out there and beat you at what you do best. They even mentioned the safeties, man, like Braylon Trahan and Percy Butler, the six nine nine one ninety yep. pound duo right there. Uh, Bo, you know, Trayon had four interceptions last year. Butler had four takeaways, and they're both good in the pass and the run game. And also, one other thing you didn't mention: Mecky Farner, their boundary cornerback, six two, two hundred pounds. And then you did mention Eric Garner, five nine, one seventy five. I mean, talk about thunder and lightning there. But go ahead. Yeah, they. Yeah, they, 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 it's that's their theme: thunder, thunder, and lightning, lightning and bringing back everybody. Yes, and and moonshine and methamphetamine. These are all these are the <laughs> themes of Louisiana. <laughs> I, I was going to say that's very on brand for Louisiana. All thoughts and prayers to people in Louisiana right now with uh, the hurricane. So very yeah. very um, similar to West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Louisiana, the West um, Virginia, but it, of the it's going to be at least. Yeah, that is true. It's going to be at least two weeks before the couches dry out enough to burn in Louisiana. But other than that, yeah. Um, the starting secondary that we've been talking about and touting so much, uh, Trahan, Garner, Gar, and Butler, last year had a combined 12 interceptions uh, and a 12 interceptions and 14 takeaways. Uh, they forced three fumbles, recovered two of them. That this is a a group of secondary players that are we've talked about their experience, but they also know how to play the ball. You know, they had, uh, I think it was, what was that, just uh, 25 pass breakups between the four of them. You know, they're good. And they are guys who know, you know, J- I think Jason's right. I think they're going to try and and really disrupt things at the line of scrimmage for the wide receivers. So a guy like, for example, a Jordan Whittington, who is going to play on Saturday. Jordan Whittington is bigger and more physical probably than, you know, the, at least from his size and strength standpoint than any of those corners. That's a guy who I am hoping Josh Moore, I think, even though he's kind of slender for his size, we've seen him be able to beat press man coverage. But I think those are two guys you're looking at going, okay, we need these guys to win off the ball so that they can get open quickly. Because I I agree with Jason. I think they're going to try and press and disrupt the routes, the line of scrimmage. So those linebackers and D line can wreak some havoc. The other thing real quick that I'll be interested to see is, 
it seems like it's been a long time since we've had a couple of receivers you can really count on to stick their blocks, whether it's, you know, coming outside and outside zone or most, you know, most egregiously when we'll try to run, you know, quick game screens and such, you know, against a veteran physical group. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of what Sarkeesian likes to do with some of his early RPOs, you know, you've got an option of a handoff or a quick screen out to, you know, screw with some of the guys that are there in overhang. If you can block that and start getting 8, 10, 12-yard gains out there, it really puts the defense at a tough spot. If you're blowing blocks and that goes for two, the defense is going to laugh at that. So I think this will be a good early test of, you know, how much the receiver's ability and willingness to block can open up that element of the offense for us. So this defense, right, they're really the defensive philosophy of, of Patrick Tony is, is to take away the pass game first. So with that in mind, if you're Steve Sarkeesian, the passing game guru guy who, who likes the run game as well, what is your plan of action on taking on this defense? My first plan to help out the pass game, which is probably the answer every week of the season, is the run game. You know, first and foremost, staying out of third and eight, setting up play action shots, you know, adding some real teeth to your RPOs and it sounds like we may see a good amount of 12 personnel in this game, whether that's how we open up, you know, how much will be in it. I don't know, but you've got, you know, two guys in Cade Brewer and Jared Wiley who can be effective in the past game. Neither one of them is going to be mistaken for, for Jason Witten or Rob Gronkowski uh, blocking at the line of scrimmage. But, you know, this is a group with some smaller edges in Louisiana. So I think if you establish outside zone and then run some, you know, bootlegs, waggles off that, pull up and hit play action. I think that's a lot of what Sarkeesian will be wanting to do. Let the run game help to key and and set up the pass game. You know, specific schemes in third and eight against a veteran defense. You know, I hope Sarkeesian's got better ideas than I do, but I think that's going to be first and foremost what he wants to do is allow the run game to both take pressure off and, and set up some concepts when we're dropping back to pass. Yeah, and another thing that Sarkeesian is very big on doing is using motion to try and get the defense to tell them what they're kind of doing from a coverage standpoint. Um, I think you, especially when they're in uh, 11 personnel, I think you're going to see quite a bit of motion out of the Texas offense, just if nothing else, just to try to get guys moving around and give away uh, what they're doing defensively. That'll be a welcome change <laughs> from seasons past, you know, as will if we do find ourselves in third and eight, and you've got 35 seconds, don't stand there for 25 seconds with a back and a tight end split out. Damn sub-in receiver. <laughs> it's third and eight, and you know they ain't going to run. Get five guys out there who can, who can scare the defense. I I think that's going to happen now. I hope it happens. I hope we don't see too much third and eight. But if it's a dead-ass passing situation, and you're going to go four wide or five wide, let's go four wide or five wide receivers. Yeah. Please, yeah. God. I- I'm going to be interested in seeing from this game, just in general, let's go ahead and transition just what we're, what we're hoping for in this game besides a win. I'm hoping to see some half, you know, like in-game adjustments and then halftime adjustments that make sense. So that would be a a welcome change. Like that would be nice to see in-game adjustments. So let's, let's take baby steps here. Yes. Yeah. Just having some, that's a start. 
having something that makes sense. That's step two. <laughs> we didn't see those steps very frequently in the Tom Herman era, which is one of the main reasons we're no longer in the Tom Herman era. <laughs> so I wholeheartedly agree that that would be a uh, breath of fresh air or a drink of cool water on a 98-degree day or whatever the hell it's going to be on Saturday. Yeah, the... But yeah, and I'd also like to see things set up. I mean, that's another hallmark of the Sarkeesian offense. You, you don't run that many concepts, but you're able to run them out of different formations the fact that you've got all those route adjustments lets the same concept, you know, look different different times. But seeing things set up and play off each other, you know, I've talked a few times about the play action game, but you know, establishing a couple of run concepts that have got the ability to, you know, turn into play action, just just simple things like that can be such a, a value add to the offense. And we so infrequently saw it in Tom Herman's era versus the we're going to line up and if every single one of our guys wins this battle we can gain yards and if one of them screws up we're screwed yeah. hopefully we've left that in the rearview mirror but yeah just seeing and seeing an offense that's kind of well constructed and complimentary will be really nice yeah I am uh, really anxious to not see the bang our head against the wall repeatedly approach to game planning and play calling because that is what we saw for the last four years under Tom Herman. Um, and frequently bang Sam Ellinger's head against the brick wall. <laughs> yes. Please, God, please, God, give me a coach that will say, hey, you know what? This isn't working so well. Let's try this. <laughs> this We've had a little bit of success with this. Let's go this direction. Try something different if something's not working instead of, hey, you know what? If we do it enough times, we'll eventually execute it properly and win yeah that doesn't always work right. <laughs> or you finally did but it was inside zone and it was late third quarter and you're already down 17 so yeah. good job we've already lost the game <laughs> yeah well i think we're gonna have to end it off there y'all i'm not gonna ask for predictions because that's stupid um <laughs> uh, hey I, i'll give you Fuck one you, prediction. gamblers yeah i'll, I'll, I'll give you one oh, no. i'll give you one prediction First team to twenty four wins this ball game. That's a good, I don't that's a good this, one. Okay, that's that's. A, that's I don't a good think one. this is a high scoring game at all. Strong recommendation for the under. Yeah, the I don't think I don't think there. this is a high scoring game at all. And honestly, I'd take Louisiana the points if I was if I was gambling on the game. I, when I heard somebody a couple of somebody say the point spread started a couple of weeks ago at sixteen and a half, I would have been like, God damn it! Why didn't I see that? I would have literally emptied my bank account on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Louisiana plus sixteen and a half. Yeah, I'd take that bet a hundred percent. Twice on Sunday. If they'll let you put a bet on Sunday on a college game, man, take that. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet five times on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> $20,000 Illinois beats Nebraska. <laughs> You're a little late. Give me the money line. I'm feeling dangerous. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank y'all for joining me. Thank Everybody, thank y'all for joining us. This has been 4th and 5. I've been your host, Will Bazier. You guys can find me on Twitter at W-I-L-L-B-A-I-Z-E-R. Who wants to go first? I'm at Kips underscore big underscore boy on Twitter. I can promote that. Cool. And All right, and uh, on Twitter, I'm at uh, no the K N O W no the game sixty uh, six zero, and I've dang it, I I forgot my OnlyFans name, so I'll have to save that for next week. Well, I was just about to say since OnlyFans reversed their their uh, porn decision, you know that we may have something oh, yeah. else to promote next week as well. Fourth oh, yeah. and five <laughs> on OnlyFans. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, he's getting a new pair of shoes. <laughs> yeah, these these episodes will now be exclusively 
Now I'm gonna make an early an early publication on OnlyFans, only early publishing on OnlyFans every week. Like <laughs> like, like this like next week's game pr- uh, preview is gonna be actually posted after the game. So, but, but yes. we'll post it first on the OnlyFans. Yes, the only the only pantsless podcast in Longhorn Nation. I don't I don't know if we can claim that. We might have to check around first. Well, that's true. The other ones are smart enough not to use the video. second best pantsless podcast in the Longhorn yeah. Longhorn Network. Longhorn Market. The girthiest, the girthiest pantsless podcast. All right, guys, thank y'all for joining us, and we will see y'all next week. Hook 'em. Y'all are welcome to say hook 'em. Hook 'em. Hook 'em. Hi. <laughs> oh, we seem like such inardent Longhorn fans.